0: What's behind the recent tension between Serbia and Kosovo? The two sides have met in Brussels to resolve a dispute sparked by vehicle license plates. But are they likely to find an agreement and can conflict be avoided? I'm Mohamed Jamjoum and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze and help define major global stories. All right, let's bring in our guests. In Pristina, Una Haidari, a reporter for Politico Europe. In Sarajevo... Alexander Brezar, a Western Balkans analyst, host, and producer of the podcast Calling. And in Belgrade, human rights lawyer Milan Antonievich. A warm welcome to you all, and thanks so much for joining us today on Inside Story. Una, let me start with you today. From your perspective, can this meeting yield any concrete results?
1: What we've seen so far is that Kosovo Prime Minister Alvin Korte has said that he does not he's not withdrawing his pledge to apply reciprocity measure, measures starting on September 1st, uh, which means that Kosovo, the Kosovo side isn't going to back down from insisting that Serbian citizens who enter Kosovo um, not be able to travel with license plates that are issued in Serbia and that they need special entry documents. Um, we're at this moment waiting, like precisely this moment, waiting for the EU to hold a conference, the head of the foreign policy chief of the European Union to hold a press conference and give some indication of what the agreement is in Brussels. Um, but what I'm predicting at this point is that they're going to try to find an intermediate solution that will try to comb over some of the differences that exist between the two sides. And in order to like, delay the, the, the intensity or the tensions that we're seeing right now.
0: Uh, Milan, um, Serbian President uh, Aleksandar Vucic said that he expected difficult talks with Kosovo's prime minister. Uh, He said, we do not agree almost on anything. So uh, from your vantage point, how difficult do you think these talks are going to be?
2: Well, um, I I believe that uh, there is an urge uh, to to come to agreement, especially on a freedom of movement. We saw what um, the the measures introduced by Kosovo at the end uh, of July, I mean, on the August the 1st uh, produced, and that they produced also insecurity uh, on the north of Kosovo. Knowing that and uh, knowing all the facts uh, uh, related to security, I believe that the uh, Serbian side is ready and willing to negotiate. They showed it uh, also in the past. There were some agreements uh, not on the highest level reached, uh, such as the agreement on energy sector recently. So I, I, I believe that there is potential that, and that Serbia should insist. Uh, on uh, already signed agreements, that Serbia should also insist on the on the future of the dialogue as as uh, such and to see how to overcome the difficulties that exist uh, at the moment. Uh, we saw Albin Kurti, I think a few months ago. We had a very tough discussion as a civil society and parts of the society dealing with Serbian and Kosovo relations. Uh, uh, but um, I expect that uh, in the in the name of the security of the population on the whole of Kosovo. Uh, the agreement, uh, especially on the freedom of movement, must be uh, on the horizon, uh, and that uh, this is a a good start, no matter how the uh, first positions are uh, uh, far from each other. Uh,
0: Alexander, uh, from your perspective, what does Brussels hope to achieve, both uh, in the short term and in in the long term?
3: Yeah, I think this is a really important key question today, especially, Um, you know, as as both sides have said, the, the... conversation or you know, the dialogue has stalled over the past year or so if not if not longer uh we've seen several flare-ups um in, in the meantime and uh, brussels has always attempted you know uh, as as or rather brussels has attempted as always to be the sort of mediating pacifying um you know side to this um i on if, if we're going to be perfectly honest about this I don't expect much more than just the usual kicking the can down the road. Um, Brussels does not necessarily, and you know, the officials in Brussels do not necessarily have, um, you know, much of a carrot or much of a stick to the care that they have offered to uh, both sides in, in this. And I do not expect some sort of a, of a grand solution to the to the outstanding problems um, uh, when it comes to this issue. Or, uh, if, you know, any, any, anything that's going to go beyond what we've usually heard, which is uh, that both sides have a, a very rigid stance on, on the problems that they're trying to resolve.
0: Una, of course, there are many who are worried right now that Kosovo and Serbia might be headed toward another war. You wrote a piece for Politico earlier this month where you said that on the ground in Kosovo, people have been downplaying that possibility uh, and that panic had subsided, at least for now. So what is the mood at the
1: moment? Well, people in Pristina are actually, as I said in that article, and 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 many others have um, echoed. People in Pristina are surprised that there's suddenly such a big global interest in uh, the conflict between Kosovo and Serbia. Or the, what what we, and I, I guess we should be careful with the terms that we use. When I say conflict, I mean the intractable. Uh, tensions that exist between the two countries, but that are not armed by any means at this point, Um, they're surprised that there's such an interest in what's happening because various forms of, or similar forms of violence and tensions um, have existed and been re- recurring over the past couple of years. Um, I think uh, everyone understands that everyone in Europe is on a much higher on a much higher level of alert alertness and and, and sort of anxiety over this because of the ongoing um, invasion of Ukraine. But um, people don't don't understand why people are that interested. On the other hand, I feel like the ten, the stakes are very high right now because. Um, primarily Serbia is the country that's being pushed in a corner. It's being expected to um, make a final sort of uh, move with regard to sanctions towards Russia. It's one of the few countries in Europe that is not participating in the sanctions packages against uh, the Russian Federation. And everyone in Kosovo believes that because Serbia is being pressured by Brussels to participate in these sanctions, that it could be more prone to radical moves, especially when it comes to Kosovo.
0: Uh, Milan, um, I know you touched on this a bit in your previous answer, but you know where do things go from here? What happens next? What are the next steps?
2: Well, uh, I, I fully disagree with this um, uh, statement that uh, there is a can in this uh, and that it's hit uh, down down the street. I heard it before, also during the day during the negotiations. So I wouldn't simplify it as as uh, as such. There are there is a, a large question of insecurity especially on the North that people feel, and this is a genuine feeling from uh, from a Serbian community on the North. There is also the announcement that President Vucic will talk with the Serbian community today, uh, calming it down and uh, as uh, he did also uh, at the beginning of August when he had the first uh, uh, crisis, if we may call it uh, like that. So I wouldn't make any uh, bigger parallel with the uh, Russian aggression to Ukraine. There is no possibility that anything uh, like it Uh, happen in our region, um, as long as uh, both parties are dedicated to the dialogue.
0: Alexander, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg uh, has said that the situation on the ground has improved. Where do things stand right now?
3: Um, uh, Look, um, there's something that has to be said about this. And and, and it's related to what Mr. Antonia said before me. Um when it comes to kicking the can down the road in Brussels, uh it is it is important to note that all, these meetings have recently been all about kicking the can down the road because Brussels has not offered anything to any of the sides. And I'm not just talking about Kosovo and Serbia, I'm talking about all of the Western Balkan 6 who are attempting, trying to be uh you know, EU members at some point down the road. So uh you know in terms of Serbia that's 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 the for further formalizing the accession process or moving it along for for Kosovo it's just getting visa liberalization which has been stuck for years et cetera. Et cetera. So um these meetings between between uh, Pristina and Belgrade are a convenient way for both sides and and on both ends now you have you have you know strong men especially, especially in Mr Vucic president of Serbia. Um but also in Mr Kurti at the same time on Kosovo side, um, where uh, both sides are flexing muscles and trying to to, to push the other side in, into, into some kind of a corner uh, where they will have to make a mistake. And, and it's all about this, this kind of diplomatic uh, slash political slash, um, uh, what do you want to call it, to, you know, arm wrestle that, that's taking place in front of our eyes. Uh, but when it comes to things on the ground, and this is, I think, this is important, and this is something that Mr. Antonievich might not know, because I don't know what's the last time he was in the north of Kosovo. I've, I've been there. I've talked to people. It's my job to do that. Um, yeah, you know, uh, people's concerns might be legitimate, but people's concerns are not being, you know. And when we're talk- talking about ethnic Serbs in the north of Kosovo, they might be legitimate uh, in terms of them feeling a particular way, them feeling maybe afraid or or scared or or, or you know. Um, pushed into a corner again in a very in a a very um, direct sense. But Belgrade is not helping much either. And Belgrade is not helping much either by continuing this cat and mouse game with Pristina without actually getting to any kind of a solid result or any kind of practical resolution to any of the problems, uh, regardless of the provocations from both sides. And and that has to be taken into account Uh, in terms of just the general security situation. I think that. uh, it's it's worth noting that just uh, 60 kilometers down the road uh, in the capital Pristina you have concerts that are taking place people are you know going on with their lives as if uh, you know there's no, there's no crisis similar thing in Belgrade in the capital of Serbia mm. um, and and people who have who have been caught in the crosshairs here mm-hmm. these very ethnic serves that, that uh, mr. Antonievich is talking about are the ones who, are legitimately concerned, but I do not see that you know their leaders, the, their representatives, are actually doing anything to make their lives better. And mm. this is not just about finding a solution with Bosnia. This is this has a lot to do with very practical things on the ground, where Belgrade, that claims to be you know responsible for these people, um, basically does nothing and has mm. done and has done nothing for years except use them as political pawns in this, like I said, cat and mouse game between between the two sides.
0: Una, uh, in the event that that fighting were to actually erupt uh, if if, uh, tensions escalate again, um, you know, Kosovo and Serbia are bound by an agreement in which NATO has the final say. I want to ask you just how entwined uh, NATO and the EU are in the local peacekeeping
1: efforts. NATO is absolutely the final arbiter in any conflict or escalation that could erupt between Kosovo and Serbia. Um, When the NATO bombing of the rump state of Yugoslavia happened or Serbia Montenegro and, and obviously Kosovo too happened in 1999, um, an agreement was signed that was unprecedented, that continues to be unprecedented in NATO history, um, which basically uh, means that any time Serbia would want to encroach the territory of Kosovo militarily or otherwise, it would immediately provoke a reaction from NATO. So something that is that the public might be more familiar with in terms of the Article 5 protections in NATO um, exists when it comes to Kosovo, even though Kosovo isn't a NATO member. This is why people on the ground have, to some extent, downplayed the possibility of an all-out war happening. That doesn't mean that there can't be incidents and, pe- you know, sadly, tensions or even loss of life. But a full-out conflict, in, in, you know, similar to anything that's happening in Ukraine, is almost entirely impossible, precisely because uh, NATO's forces on the ground in Kosovo have spent the last 20 years um, almost exclusively— protecting uh, the northern border and making sure that both the Kosovo Albanian and the Kosovo Serb community are protected in those territories. Um, Like I said, again, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that there there couldn't be incidents and stuff like that, but an actual uh, full-on conflict is almost entirely unlikely. Uh,
0: Milan, in the aftermath of the latest flare-up, Kosovo's interior minister accused Serbia and Russia of triggering and supporting rioting. What has the response to that been from Serbia?
2: Um, well, linking linking Serbia to Russia fully is uh, more uh, 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 of, of a fake uh, dilemma. There is a Serbian policy that's fully independent from any uh, Russian influence, uh, and the, the security of uh, the population on, of the Serbs on north is uh, uh, there, uh, their on stake. And Belgrade does not play with that, as far uh, as I can see. I've been to Kosovo just a month ago. Uh, visited also Dečani, where. Uh, NATO KFOR forces are protecting uh, the monastery. They're also working on uh, in all of the enclaves and they, they're, they're also uh, very agile in, in um, uh, avoiding any of the uh, provocation from either side. But the thing that I know, speaking with the Serbian community on the north, is that the uh, special forces of Kosovo, while entering uh, the north, there are always incidents. Small incidents, however, uh, if the tensions are rising, uh, I believe that these incidents can be uh, seen as a provocation, and uh, I hope that, uh, uh, especially Kosovo sides and Pristina, will not try to uh, to, uh, to to make any any uh, reasons for the Serbian community that's frightened at the moment uh, to to react. So um, it, the, the, the responsibility is shared. I believe that both sides that are now meeting in Brussels in front of the uh, um, um, community there uh, and and the the Envoy and also uh, Borel. They they are aware of of these facts uh, and uh, everything that uh, both Serbia and Kosovo will get, they will get it on the negotiating table. I believe that this notion is uh, well uh, um, uh, placed in in Belgrade, I hope, and I I, uh, I uh, the, this is the message that we transferred also to Alvin Kurti mm-hmm. when we spoke with him in uh, June, uh, that the negotiating table should be the only table uh, for uh, solving any of the issues. There is no, luckily, there is no Zelensky in the, re- the region, there is no Putin in the region either, uh, so uh, there is uh, there is no possibility for any a larger conflict uh, Mm. to evolve. And also recent Stoltenberg's messages related to the security and uh, the employment of NATO forces is also giving a strong signal that uh, none of the possibilities for greater conflict is not in on the Western Balkans yeah. uh, and that everybody is aware just following the situation and trying to solve every issue that exists, especially issues related to freedom of movement and uh, any other freedom that should be guaranteed to everyone on yeah. Kosovo. And also, I, I, I may put also a positive note to... Uh, Serbia supporting the visa liberalisation of uh, for, for Kosovo or citizens related to the EU, and these 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 are the gestures that should be seen as as positive because uh, they will and they have to the, re, uh, the the possibility to open many of the processes that were uh, uh, on on uh, still uh, in uh, in uh, Brussels.
0: Uh, Alexander, the EU has said that both Serbia and Kosovo need to normalize their relations if they wish to ultimately join the bloc. If the EU were to eventually accept Serbia and Kosovo as member states, is that something that would diffuse these tensions at all?
3: That is that is a really good question. Here's the thing. For, for Serbia to enter uh, the EU, it has to recognize the independence of Kosovo. Um, the, the, the the 35th chapter of the current EU negotiations deals with exactly that. It is absolutely clear and it has become absolutely clear over the years that the only way for Serbia to enter the EU and become a full-fledged member state is to recognize Kosovo. Now what that recognition actually uh, will look like in practice, it's a different thing. Obviously there might be a little bit of room to maneuver there. but. Um, I do, not, I do not see Serbia entering the EU without actually resolving this in, in a way that's, that's, that's positive for everyone, uh, not just one side. Uh, on, as far as Kosovo is concerned, I think there are several things at play uh, when it comes to its, its EU membership bid. Uh, as you know, it's, it's bundled together with Bosnia and Herzegovina as a potential, quote unquote, potential um, candidate country. It's uh, what I like to call a, a cardboard medal. Uh, that, that was just given out to the two uh, two countries uh, because, for you know, based on, at least on, uh, on the opinion of people in Brussels or the officials in Brussels, the two do not fulfill certain requirements uh, to be full-fledged candidate countries like uh, Montenegro, Serbia, North Macedonia, and Albania. Um, on the other hand, if you look at all the you know all the actual. Uh, practicalities of what life is like in Kosovo, what the politics are like, what the political life is like in Kosovo. Uh, we are talking about the youngest democracy in the world, the Western style democracy in the world. We're talking about the youngest country, the most recently, uh, um, you know, uh, the most re- the country that has most recently declared independence and has been partially recognized uh, in Europe, uh, the second youngest in the world. It's a very vibrant society, it's a very vibrant uh, environment, Mm -hmm. Um, it's much more, you could even say that it's much more democratic than some other candidate countries from the region. And uh, despite this, I mean, the state or the position that it has found itself in is, in my opinion, very sad when it comes to Mm -hmm. about two million people who live there regardless of their ethnic
0: background. Alexander, sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh, we're, we're starting to run out of time. But we only have about a minute and a half left. I also want to ask you, um, yep. if NATO were to intervene or or step up its presence even further, uh, is that something that, that would really be a de-escalatory measure? You know, would it ultimately help or, or could that actually inflame things as well?
3: Uh, there are certain rules and regulations that, um, you know, uh, determine how much Involvement NATO can have both in Kosovo and, as you know, also in Bosnia Herzegovina, where it has a presence through the E4 mission. Um, obviously, something would have to, things would have to escalate between uh, Kosovo and Serbia first for NATO to, you know, intervene. Can it be more physically present on the ground? Can can there be more, you know, actual boots on the ground that the that, that, that people? Yeah, that's that's a really interesting question and whether that would lead to anything. I don't think there's a need for that at the moment. I, I personally don't see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't see that that would play uh, in, into this whole thing as some sort of a factor that would, that would make things worse. Mm-hmm. I think NATO's presence in Kosovo uh, is, is, is a positive thing, and mm-hmm. I think it makes everyone feel much safer, both the ethnic Albanian community, mm-hmm. the ethnic Serb community, and all other communities that, that live in Kosovo.
0: All right, well, we have run out of time, so we're going to have to leave the conversation there today. Thanks so much to all of our guests, Una Haidari, Alexander Brezar, and Milan Antonievich. That's it for the Inside Story podcast. This episode was produced by Mohamed Al-Aishi, Kara Legg, Michael Harwood, and Jimmy Gerahun. Studio sound was by Yasser Rahmani. The program was edited by Alexander Otsevich, Linda Nguyen, and Joe DeFrias. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. We'll be back again on Friday.